This episode is brought to you by freedadcourse.com. You are always one conversation away from changing your life, and the power of hello is something that I subscribe to every single day, and I'm always saying hello to new people everywhere I go. Increasing your opportunity, increasing your connection, and getting access to the solutions to the problems that you are facing, whether you're on active duty or just beginning your veteran transition or even transitioning out for 20 years. On the other side of hello are the solutions that you're looking for. Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com. Get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design. I really had two choices when all this stuff happened and it was either stay stuck in the storm and like just punish myself or do something about it. And it, it's not easy. Like I'm not sitting here being like, oh yeah, it was so great when my wife was eight months pregnant and we were two weeks away from bankruptcy and she told me to move out and live in a hotel that I was so stoked that I was going to make it back. Like, no, that's not what it felt like, but it felt like if I do nothing, there's zero chance that I'm going to change anything. And I was like, and if I do something, I have a chance. Dory 1, this is Fireteam Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome back to Military Veteran Dad, episode 96. Today's episode with George Bryant is going to crack everything you know to be true because right out of the gate, George just lays his heart right on the open and explains who he is, who he was, and how he got to where he is today. So I'm not going to go ahead and steal a lot of George's thunder because, man, this episode just blows me out of the water. As a person listening to it, it was almost difficult for me to keep going through the next question because... I had to process everything that was going on. It was extremely emotional for me because he just has a story and opening up the way he did, it's very difficult to not see your life and to see some pattern or see some similarity. And I'm positive by George going first with his story. There's a dad out there that's going to be able to go second and share his story, maybe with a close friend, a battle buddy, or heck, just even acknowledge that something's there because oftentimes what military dads do is we just lie to ourselves that everything is good and fine and it's neither good nor fine. So I know that George episode is going to do that for you today. George is also part of this amazing company called High Speed Daddy. Ever since George has come to my life, I checked out High Speed Daddy. I got the backpack and the lunchbox. These two things have automatically started making my dad life better and cooler because I get to rock around with the backpack, that's militarized. It's got so many zippers. And my kids love it because it's different. It's a novelty. And they like putting things in all the random zippers as well. We got the first aid kit, all of that. My daughter is obsessed with Band-Aids. Some random Band-Aid advice for dads. A Band-Aid can fix everything. There's been many times where I fight putting a Band-Aid on something because it doesn't need one. But a good friend of mine reminded me one time and said, a Band-Aid can fix anything. And for my daughter, it does. So we always make sure we have couple band-aids and now i got a first aid kit from high speed daddy to make sure that band-aids are always with us and a few other things guys this backpack is absolutely amazing i used to have a work backpack and that used that got converted into my dad bag as i went to be a stay-at-home dad but man that backpack has gone to the side and this is my new dad bag it's awesome adventure bag where we put all of our stuff the water bottles the jackets you name it it fits in this backpack just like your military backpack was when you served. This backpack is how you can serve as a dad, and it's got the best gear for the right moment, at the right time, and I know you're going to love it. And George is also setting us up with a 15% discount code using MVD. That's MVD. Go check out the show notes. I put a link to the website, and the code is down there as well. Guys, this, uh, this, this product is absolutely amazing. Go check it out. Don't take my word for it. Go check it out and buy some. And I'm positive you'll love it just as much as I have. And don't forget, if you would like to hear my take on this episode, hang on to the end of the episode and I'll come back on and talk about how this episode really impacted me and how I've already started doing things in this episode in my life going forward. So with that, let's get started with George Bryant and I'll see you on the other side. Welcome to the podcast, George. I am stoked to be here. We really do it. Let's hit go. 
<laughs> we just hit record and we're going to dive in. George, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your background and tell us how you got where you are today. Yeah, I'll give everybody the the short version because we don't have an eternity to be here. I feel like I need to give people like the red pill in the matrix for this one. Um, so yeah, my background, pretty interesting. I grew up in New England. Uh, it's actually funny. I didn't realize I'm wearing a shirt that says I don't have a PhD. I earned a DD214. How appropriate that I accidentally put that on today. Um, I grew up in New England, uh, you know, pretty crappy childhood, drug abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. You know, like I, I grew up in like the bottom of bottom when it came to like the family stuff. And so not much support. I was bullied a lot. Only white kid in my class. My nose was broken three times, front teeth knocked out three times. Like I went through the gamut, you know, and uh, I think I knew at a very young age, though, like I didn't want to be a dirt bag and I wanted something different, but I didn't know what to do. So running away seemed like the best option, right? So like any 17 year old kid would do, I forged my parents' signature and I joined the Marine Corps uh, or attempted to join the Marine Corps, except I was too fat. And the recruiters told me I was too fat. I had this uh, 0331 who like whipped me into shape, but uh, he helped me lose a ton of weight. I, I literally took the contract home and quote unquote, my parents signed it, brought it back at 17 uh, lost the weight. They met me in and uh, they depped me in through maps. And then I left for boot camp right after I barely made it through high school. And we were talking social services, divorce attorneys, like emancipations. I was homeless, like all that stuff. And so going to boot camp was like heaven, right? It was like, yeah, okay, I got it. Structure, safety, and uh, take my entire childhood and use it to turn me into a lean, mean Marine and reprogram me again. So I ended up joining the Marine Corps. Uh, Napoleon Complex took over for fun, right? So I was undergraduate at boot camp, undergraduate at Marine Combat Training, undergraduate at my school. So I went from the fat kid that was bullied to like, I'm going to show you all. And, uh, you know, got myself fast-tracked to deployment when I was 19 years old because I, you know, had to be the guy. So I ended up in Somalia 2004, uh, had a pretty significant injury to my legs. I had exercise-induced compartment syndrome. Um, and so that was supposed to be career-ending, leg-ending. They brought me home told me they were going to amputate my legs. I told them to pound sand um, tactfully at the point because I couldn't say it differently. I kept my legs, did a lot of physical therapy, ended up staying in the Marine Corps uh, for another nine years, um, but made a full recovery, even though I can't feel my legs from the knee down. Uh, Tied a world record, did an Ironman. My dad got diagnosed with cancer, lost my dad to cancer, married, divorced, ended up Back in Afghanistan, 2009, 2010, suffered a couple pretty bad brain injuries, a traumatic brain injury, uh, bleeding in my brain, fluid on my brain. And so when I came back from deployment, they're like, you know, it's been fun for 12 years, but you're kind of unfit for military service. Uh, We're going to process you out on like a MedSep. And so at this point, I was kind of sick and tired of being sick and tired. I've been an addict my whole life. I'd been bulimic. I'd struggled with a lot of things. And so I taught myself how to cook. I started CrossFit and I started eating paleo and I started feeling really amazing. And I was like, I need accountability. And so I was like, I'm going to post this stuff online. This is like 2010. And so I made a fake uh, college email to get a Facebook account back in 2010, <laughs> you know, because I was not the smartest guy and uh, started posting recipes that I was cooking on Facebook. And after a couple of weeks, it in a couple of months, it turned from like three people to 300 people to 3,000 people to somebody's like, you should start a blog. I'm like, what's a blog? And they're like, oh, it's like this website thing. This was 2010. And so I took all my recipes, copied them over, made a blog at civilizedcavemancookingcreations.blogspot.com. Like that's how dumb I was. That's a really easy domain name. And so I just kept, I started blogging while I was getting processed out because I was in the middle of a med board for, I think it was nine months. My med board took nine months. Um, before they processed me out. And so I basically became a food blogger, an entrepreneur while getting med boarded. And during that time, somebody asked me to take all my recipes and put them in an ebook. And I was like, okay, what's an ebook? And they're like, it's like a Word document, blah, 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 right? So I saved everything and I sent it to them. And they're like, no, we were going to pay you. I'm like, why would you pay me? They're all on my website. And they're like, oh, because convenience. You should put it up on this website called ClickBank and sell it. I'm like, how do I do that? It's like 2010. I asked him what to charge. I said 27 bucks. I'll never forget. I put it up and like within the first three days, I made my yearly salary as a Marine after 12 years. And I was like, I'm out. Whatever. I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know what this is, but I'm out. And um, serendipitously enough, like three weeks later, uh, the board came back and um, they medically separated me three weeks after that, after 12 years of service. And so I basically went from being a Marine to being a food blogger, an entrepreneur overnight, and uh, had no idea what I was doing. 
but I figured I would figure it out on the way. And uh, it was a new place to hide all my pain, right? So I didn't process any of the war, any of the trauma, any of the death, any of the suicides, any of that stuff. I was like, oh, I'll just go pour my energy into this new thing and now become addicted to being an entrepreneur. And it worked for a while. Uh, became massively successful at that. Uh, became a New York Times bestseller, number one app in the world, uh, a couple million social media followers, five million uniques a month on my website. You know, made a multi seven figure business. And then, um, you know, then the veil crashed down, and you know, I ended up in the hospital with PTSD, depression, suicide ideations, tendencies, like, and the whole world came crashing down. And so then I had to really start doing the work, work. Uh, and at this point, I had a family. My wife was pregnant. And so um, I walked away from that company and I went dark for two and a half years, three years, deleted social media, changed my phone number, changed my email and fell off the face of the planet and uh, started doing the real work. So I started doing like EMDR, I did plant medicine, I did meditation, I did breath work, I did a lot of things and I started to really heal my childhood and as well as like come to terms and grips with like what I'd done in the military, what I'd seen, what I had witnessed and start building this new life. And in that process, realized I had a skill set for digital marketing and people wanted it. And so people started hiring me as a consultant to teach them what I had done with that company. And so then I became a digital marketing consultant and started working with companies like Adidas and Titleist and TaylorMade and Onnit and Men's Health and very quickly became a very successful digital marketing consultant. And then um, continue that now. And then now I just spend my time helping entrepreneurs build and scale their companies with ethics and relationships and have a podcast and books and courses. And that gets me to here. And that was literally the shortest version I could give you. That was amazing. But as the interviewer, like I'm almost like, where do you go with like, there's so much good stuff there to unpack. And I think I have the question that I want to go towards. It hit me right in the beginning when you were talking about your childhood and you joining the Marine Corps and you started running from it. Now that you've kind of unpacked it, what were some of the emotions that you were running from back then? Ooh, yeah, yeah. My biggest, you know, my biggest fear, my core wounds. I've done a lot of work, you know. I've been I've been goodwill hunted a few times and Matt Damon to them back. Um, you know, my core wound because of my childhood was that I wasn't good enough. And my my deepest, deepest fear is that if I wasn't good enough, people would leave, you know, I'd end up alone, just like I did in my childhood. And so my obsession with being the best and running was the best place for me to hide is in plain sight. And so if I am the best at everything, like if I make myself the best, if I declare I'm the best, if I'm egotistically the best, if I'm narcissistically the best, no one will notice the darkness. Every chance that somebody will stick with me and nobody will know how much I'm suffering. Like I was an active duty Marine. I was a staff NCO and I was purging in porta potties with bulimia in Afghanistan. Like that, like the dichotomy of it was like mind blowing. And so the feelings, um, I, I would describe it as like feeling like aware of being bipolar without being bipolar. And then literally feeling like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde every day, because you know, I'm in this position, I'm successful on a lot of different fronts. I have the awards to prove it, the rank to prove it, the fitness to prove it. Yet I'm standing there giving orders and directions completely against what I believe to be true as I'm suffering in silence. And then when everybody disappears, like it's a modulation, the opposite direction. And so I felt alone. Like I would say for a good portion of my adult life, um, I just felt alone and isolated and like desolated to nothing until I was able to really, really start doing the work on myself. And, you know, the way I describe this to people is that what I was running from was being in a relationship with the one person I'm stuck with until the day I die, which was myself. And that's when, you know, things started to shift. So yeah, that that was kind of what it felt like for me. And I can imagine that that's a very common story that you've unpacked there for many military dads. I mean, So many, especially the Marine Corps, the Marine Corps assigns you an entire identity built on 200 plus years of history. Like there's something very romantic about that when you come from a broken identity when you wear like, and many of Marines fall apart when they get that uniform removed from them. There's many cases where I've interviewed or talked to dads or talked to spouses where the Marine actually took his own life because he was medically discharged and he didn't know who he was without that uniform because your entire persona is wrapped up in that camouflage digital green. And when that's ripped away from you, 
it's extremely, it's it's like walking outside without any clothes on. Like you just have nothing left except you. And like what you said, you were running from that relationship with yourself. And I can only imagine that that transition was probably 50, 50 times scarier than going yeah. to boot camp because oh. you had to face yourself versus a drill instructor. Drill instructor boot, at boot least camp, is gonna, like, like a joke. Yeah. Boot camp's a joke. I tell everybody, I'm like, we got to remember that like our biggest enemy lies in our head. It knows our demons, our fears, our insecurities and every ounce of it. And, you know, one of the things that I, I'm grateful for is that, you know, I, I spent 12 years on active duty, right? And I swore I was going to do four and then get out. And I hated it. Like, I, let me be really clear with everybody. I loved being a Marine. I hated the Marine Corps. And I mean, like, viscerally like viscerally hated it and but the fear of going back to where i came from was always greater than the fear of staying in so i was stubborn enough to re-enlist and re-enlist and re-enlist and what i will say is that as time went on and i became a staff nco i became a you know i was a, i was a staff sergeant then a gunny select and i started to get up i started to see the game and Seeing the game from that perspective allowed me to start to really identify like what I had been through and what I had processed and who I had become in the Marine Corps and starting to realize that it also wasn't my identity, but I could choose to use it as a tool. And so, you know, after 12 years, I wasn't so engrossed and engulfed that like it owned me because I had a lot of dissonance being created. I'd say probably from like year six on where I was like counting the days till retirement. I had 14 years left that I had a countdown calendar, right? I'm like, okay, 13 years, six months, 13 years, three months, right? Like, and I was, I was going there, but I was, I was already starting to, I'd gone through that process and I feel like this happened to me in the Marine Corps. Like, you know, you go through boot camp, they break you down, they train you to who they are, give you an identity. It gives you this level of confidence that's required to do the job that we do in the small numbers that we do it. And then you start after that point, if you stay in long enough, you start to find yourself in that identity. And then you start to see them as almost like a suit that you put on or like a Jekyll or Hyde or a Clark Kent and a Superman. And I remember like, I got to this point in my career, where it was like, okay, I'm putting my uniform on. It's time to be a Marine today. Like I wasn't that guy that was like, oh, I'm a Marine 24 seven. Like it started to get more and more dissonant with each other. And I was like, yeah, I'm not wearing a high and tight. I'm not tucking my damn shirt into my pants on a Saturday afternoon as I go to the beach, like get the hell away from me. But the moment I put that uniform on, I was in. Like it was like the switch was flicked. I was in the cage and I was like, let's go. And so I went through some evolutions. And so, um, you know, the transition out, for me was uh, the day that I got separated, I went middle fingers in the air, blazing glory, left my uniforms in the office, didn't clean my desk. I was like, F all of you. Like I was so jaded and so pissed and I felt so abused through that process of the med board where they're like, hey, it's been 12 years, you're getting nothing no retirement. Like, oh, by the way, now you're a dirt bag because you're getting medsept. Not like, oh, thanks for breaking your body and thanks for doing this, right? Like it's, you know what I mean? Like you become this outcast. And so I was so jaded. And so literally the moment I was out, I was, I was in full attitude. Like I grew a beard. I grew my hair out. Like I just wore workout clothes all the time. I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm sleeping in every day. I'm staying up as late as I want. And it was almost like this reactive, self-destructive teenager. Like you your father and you were going yeah, into rebellious phase. As a yeah, teenager. <laughs> that's what it felt like. And it, and it, and what was nuts though, is that that rebellion energy when applied to entrepreneurship made me successful, right? Like it gave me this, like, I'll outwork everybody. I'll show you, right? Like boom, 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 boom. And then it was a slow drip process. And really what happened was like the rug got slowly taken out from underneath me. And then it got to a point, you know, where that gas tank empties, you know, the rebellious energy goes and you can only avoid for so long before you're just surrounded with all of it. And you're like, oh crap. And then those are the moments that like started to really shift it. And I had to be in those conversations with myself. Like, who am I? Like, you know, I did this. I was a Marine. I, I, you know, participated in those things, but I'm not a Marine. Like I'm George. Right. And I had to start figuring out like what that meant from an application standpoint without having the protection of like, Oh, just being a Marine or I'll do it later or it's fine. Right. And then, you know, I will say, you know, I think when people get out of the military, they go one of two ways. They either stay plugged in a little bit or they go all the hell as far away as possible. And I went, 
all the ways possible. Like I don't have one friend that was in the military. I don't have one friend that was in the military with me that I still talk to. Like I'm pretty isolated now. Like I have a few new friends that were like seals or things like that. But other than that, I surrounded myself with an entirely different world that basically made it not okay to be who I was in the Marine Corps. <laughs> and so, uh, and I say that in a good way, like they were accepting, they were connected, they were loving, you know, they were like, Hey, you can calm down. Like you can be nicer. Like you don't have to be afraid. And, and, you know, like it, it really started to break it down, but yeah, it was a, it was a really, um, really interesting transition. And, and, you know, it's been, God, it's been seven years, eight years now. Yeah, I've been out for eight years. Um, I would have retired a couple years ago. That's crazy. Um, and there's still parts of it that come up. Like I remember, like I got a shadow box behind me. Like that thing stayed in a box for five years before I even get it made. Like I had to do some healing before I would even be willing to like put that thing on my wall. I was like, do I want to look at that thing every day? Like, uh, like, and so I think there's parts of it that come up and you know come out. But when I look back at it. Uh, best thing that ever happened to me. Like I, I wouldn't change it for the world. Like I loved it. I love my Marines. I, I talk to a lot of them now that I'm in a different place. You know, we have our families know each other. We stay in contact, you know, things like that. A few of my friends are still in, you know, they're getting ready to retire in 30 years, but for the most part, I'm pretty removed from that world though. So it's just very similar to me because when I got out of the Marine Corps, the last thing I participated in was a bad conduct discharge for a corporal that was above me for most of my time when I was in Okinawa. And being part of his court martial just left this sour to I me. Mean, it was it happened in June and I was out in August. So like two months of processing emotionally. And then like that was my final memory, big memory in the Marine Corps. And I avoided being recognized as a Marine probably for almost 10, 12 years. And it took me an odd place. I was reading a Tom Clancy novel and, and there was a Marine in Arlington Cemetery leaning down over a grave. And in that very moment is when I realized that I could turn backwards and kind of like use my ability to coach people and help veterans. It wasn't until that moment that I actually started facing the Marine Corps and started being okay, being identified with it, understanding how it shaped me. And there was one question that I was wondering as you were talking about your experience and now that you've kind of unpacked it. Looking back, I'm sure you wouldn't have wanted your life any other way than the 12 years you had in the Marine Corps. What do you think the Marine Corps did the most to shape you who you are today, even though it was difficult when it's happened? But what kind of gratitude have you been able to find? When yeah, you that's, such a, that's such a powerful question. Um, and God, I think that answer would change year after year. But I, I'm at the point now where I'm, I'm pretty aware. So number one uh, was the ability to have an identity of self, right? Like to to realize that like one of the things that I really took away from the Marine Corps is like at the end of the day, the results that I created and the results that everybody else created around me were because of what I put in. Right. And like, there's a, there's a really deep level of power and understanding like how powerful we are when we are that committed and we're in. Right. So like, that was a, a big one for me. Um, the second one was I had no idea what suffering was until the Marine Corps. Uh, and now I don't think I could ever suffer in my life. Like there's nothing, and I mean nothing in my life that I could even fathom in my worst nightmares that would come close to have me feeling the pressure that I've felt in certain situations on deployments and war and in um, certain arenas. And so most of the life feels easy to me now. Like I feel like it's a game of like paying attention and like staying really grounded and really present and then like kind of moving forward. And then resiliency is, is kind of the biggest one. And, um, I responded well to tough love cause that was my abuse pattern as like a child right now. I, I realized that it, like it probably wasn't the healthiest thing, but it was good for me at the time. But one of the things that I loved is there was always this striving for progress, not perfection, right? Like, you know, like we could run a 300 PFT, but we could always still try to do one more pull up. And, you know, once you got it, then you had to give it away and help your Marines get it. And like, I kind of loved that there was this, this level of like, you were never done, but at any moment it was completely okay to like pause and stop and be proud of where you'd come. Like to really have like that honor, courage and commitment of like, I did this, like I was committed. I created this result. I did it. Those are some really big tools and uh, really big distinctions that I think apply a lot in life. And, you know, given the state of the world that we're in right now, you know, like I had people complaining, like, oh, I've been locked down for three weeks. And like, I did this for like 28 months. Like, what are you talking about? I was like, I have cable television and Netflix right now. 
was like, are you kidding me? We have showers. I'm like, I didn't shower for four weeks at a time. You know, and if you were, it did a time in Iraq, it's not 115 yeah. degrees outside. Yeah. And like, and like, and so like, I, I think like perspective, perspective for sure. So just like this really deep understanding, like, um, like if it's going to get done, I have to do it. And and that means for me and everybody else around me, like a hundred percent responsible, a hundred percent of the time, no matter what, like I can either check it and make sure, or I can't, and I'm responsible or I'm complicit in that. So like that level of ownership was, was huge for me. Uh, even though I resented the crap out of it when I was in, I was like, I'm not the problem. He is like, he did it. And like, I would complain, but at the end of the day, I learned some lessons from that. And then, um, yeah, I think, I think for me, the ability to like really understand what I'm capable of, um, like I wouldn't wish combat. I wouldn't wish deployments. I wouldn't wish some of the trainings that we do in the military on anybody. Um, but at the same, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, like I'm really grateful for the opportunity that I looked and I was given multiple chances to show that like nobody forced me to be there. I could have refused to train. I could have picked a different MS. I could have got out. But every time that I committed and went through it, there was a level of understanding that when I fully committed, I was going to make it through the other side. And like, I could just keep going and keep going. And like, that was a really big and understanding like my capacity as a human being and like what I can really give and what I can give as a father, what I can give as a husband, what I can give as like a, just a mentor in, in my business. Um, and then the resiliency, like just realizing like no matter what, like, and I, I'll never forget, like I do remember when the first time I ran a 300 PFT, I'm like, yeah, I'm done running. And then the next PFT was like, oh crap, if I don't train my ass off, I'm not gonna be able to do this again. And it's like, it doesn't stick, right? Like you have to work at it every day and every day and every day. And so those are, those are some of the big ones for me. Um, yeah. And then I also learned that I never want to micromanage people and that I hate, you know, screw, screw games. And like, if you tell somebody like they should be to work at seven, just trust they're going to get there at seven. Don't make them get there at 2 a.m., right? And so 74 people can check you before you get there. <laughs> like that stuff, that's the stuff. I'm like, I will never do this. Like most of the time my employees now are they're like, do you have any rules for us? I'm like, no, just show up, man. Whatever you do is on you. Like I won't even let it even close to like in my world of the level of screwery that happened when we were in the Marine Corps. Yeah, that part's never fun. And I never liked participating in any of that because it something that you obviously could do. They, there was nothing preventing them from doing it. But to me, that was never leadership. Like, unless you get someone to want to do the dishes, it's not sticky and it's not going to be long-term and you're just buying a minute to borrow a minute from the future when they don't want to do it. And it's just going to be a continue to, to fight that battle hard. There were two words that kind of hit me as you were talking about that story. And I hadn't put this together in my own way of coming from the Marine Corps, but I think it's for you as well. Like, integrity is something that has gotten in the way a lot for me because oftentimes I don't know how to half-ass things and not a lot of other people have that same mentality. So you're, you're playing with a game of poker with a different set of rules almost a little bit, but then also the Marine Corps teaches you self-leadership that it's, you have the team of the Marine Corps, but you yourself are Marine, even without Marines around you. And you have to learn to lead yourself through all the different things that the Marine Corps puts you through it kind of gave you that ability to not give up on yourself when you left. And I could actually pick up on a little bit from when you talked about hitting rock bottom and having your whole world shatter. You didn't really know how to give up on yourself. No, no. And like, you know, like I, what I'll say is like pers perspective from the Marine Corps gave me a lot, right? Like I have, um, there's three names in that plaque and there's 28 Marines I know that are no longer with us and they all committed suicide. Every one of them, 28 of them. And, you know, I think, one of the things that I'm really good at now is having dead, honest conversations with myself, like hardcore, honest conversations with myself. And, you know, there were a few conversations that had to be had with myself about what my plan was and what I was going to do on this planet with whatever time I had left. And one of those conversations is like, are you going to stay? Or are you going to go? And it wasn't a, this is a gray area. It's like, if you're going to go, you're going to go. Or if you're going to stay, you're going to stay. But if you're going to stay, you got to let all that crap go and realize that that's not an option on the table. And so when I remove that option from the table and realize, like, I want to be here for my family, I want to be here for my kids, I want to be here for, you know, my friends, my family, and those people that are here, 
I really had two choices when all this stuff happened and it was either stay stuck in the storm and like, just punish myself or do something about it. And it, it's not easy. Like I'm not sitting here being like, Oh yeah, it was so great when my wife was eight months pregnant and we were two weeks away from bankruptcy and she told me to move out and live in a hotel that I was so stoked that I was going to make it back. Like, no, that's not what it felt like, but it felt like if I do nothing, there's zero chance that I'm going to change anything. And I was like, and if I do something, I have a chance. And so I've just kind of made it my mission to honor myself. Like when we talk about self-leadership, we talk about integrity. You know, I had some wires crossed where um, I had integrity mixed in with perfection, right? And integrity is like just having an honest conversation with yourself, right? And, you know, we're trained as Marines to always be the best and be the best, but really the best is being the person that continues to grow and progress forward, not what it looks like on paper or yeah, when there, when the finish line comes. And so when I looked at it, I was like, there were days where all I could do was get out of bed. And I had to honor that. And I had to celebrate that. And I'm like, that's what I got today. Like, that's what I got today and celebrate it. And of course, some days more would happen, some days less. And then there's other days where it's like, how did I produce this in a day? And it took me six months to do three years ago, right? And you got to celebrate that as well. But I think it really comes down to being able to lead oneself, but also understanding that leadership is not rigidity. It's compassion, it's empathy, it's understanding. And we have to understand ourselves, right? Like we don't have an unlimited gas tank. We don't have a, you know, a NOS button that we can hit whenever we want, or we end up dying and crashing. And so we have to be able to lead ourselves, but check in with ourselves and be like, okay, am I quitting? Or is this really all I have today? And if this is all I have today, like, how do I acknowledge myself for it? What am I going to do tomorrow? But then also being able to check in and be like, am I just committed to being miserable right now? Am I quitting? Like, do I have more? Can I give more? And like really being okay, being reflective of that place and then having the ability to understand that at some point you have to make a decision, like call it the OODA loop, right? Like you observe, you orient, you decide and you act, you have to take an action and you have to move forward. And so those are things that like I work on often. And like, I mean, even this week, like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I mean, I was like knocking out 40 podcasts in a week, videos, courses, trainings, outlines, syllabuses. And like this week I've been like, it's been hard to open my email, like just hard to, and I was like, that's okay. And I was doing two a days a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, God, like just putting my walking shoes on right now. Like, I feel like an old man, but like, I'm like, I just need some time and like honoring that and letting that be okay. And I think when you have that level of like self-leadership and integrity with self and really, um, you know, something I learned in the Marine Corps, which is going to sound crazy, uh, is gentleness when it comes to leading like myself and leading my Marines, right? Like having it okay to have tight containers with padded walls. Right. And like, that's kind of how I see how I lead myself. And, and those are the things that I think about a lot. Um, when I move forward and, and realizing like you just said it. And, and I think this is something that's so imperative to understand is that there is no finish line. And if you chase one, it's just pure misery because number one, we don't ever want to hit it. Number two, if we did, all we'd be is disappointed uh, and, and eight feet under. And, and number three is that uh, there's nothing in there. It's just distraction, right? Like all we have is today. All we have is what we do right now and in this moment and uh, in the next moment. And it's really uh, my buddy Stefano Stefanos and I talk about this all the time. We were having this deep conversation one night and we we're like, what's the finish line? Like, what is it? And I said, I think there is one. And I think it's awareness but it's awareness agnostic of action. Like it's awareness of the moment. Like, oh, this is how I'm showing up or this is what I did today. Or, this is what I want to do. And then regardless of what that awareness brings, then deciding in that moment, do I do something with it? Do I let it fleet and pass? Do I let it go or do I act on it? And like, that's kind of the game that we play. And so that, that's kind of how I choose to live my life now and, and work, or work towards choosing to live my life now, right? It's a practice. It's a practice. I like that. And in the, it kind of, hit me where something I use in my own life is just being able to meet yourself. Like it's very easy to hear your life, to hear all the success you've had and to like, man, that guy's crushing it. And I need to be there. Otherwise I'm a bag of ass, but you have to have compassion that your life is right here and your life has transpired in one way and you're still going in some direction and you can change that direction, but you have to acknowledge and meet yourself where you're at. But then you're also talking about that awareness. And I like what you're saying there because it I've heard it described like when you get super aware, 
you're no longer like in your life. You're actually just kind of like standing, especially if you're in like the meditation and mindfulness, you begin to watch your life as a, as a movie almost. Like you can actually watch yourself get angry almost and observe it and be like, well, where the hell did this come from? And I just had it happen to me two weeks ago. I was having a really great night working on the podcast. I was like, I went to bed super happy. I was like, God, I am just so excited and abundant for what's coming into my life in the future. And I was like, I'm so ready to wake up. And something I've been talking to podcast a lot is since I lost my job in January, waking up every morning, it feels like January 28th, that like my brain, my ego is almost like dumping all of these endorphins into my head to make me feel sad every morning to almost convince me to get back to having a job. And I was like, I am just looking forward to not having that feeling in the morning because there's no way I can feel sad after having such a high night like this. My brain had like two massive ego strikes throughout the night. And I woke up with like two nightmares that the world was ending even more than Corona is in making it feel. I've never even had those dreams ever. Like my brain went into full attack mode to try to convince me to go the other way. And I was just super aware of it when I woke up and I was like, wow, I'm really doing something in powerful here because my brain has never tried to fight back in a way. And I'm sure you've seen it when you were in the darkness that your brain would continue to fight back to make sure that it kept control of what it never wanted someone to see. But when you get to that point where you can watch your life as a movie, every moment is just a bit like, wow, I could really, that's a stupid thing. I should never do that again. But you have to be aware of that first in order to be able to recognize for a change. Totally. And you got to realize that it comes in levels, right? Like layers of onions, heroes, journeys. It's very, it's very circular in its nature. And as you progress in the levels, the bosses get harder, the gaps of time get greater. Like they're, they're, these are the games that we play, right? Like, yeah, it's so easy to like, oh, he's crushed it, right? And I'm like, yeah. And like, and during this crazy world, I lost two companies and a couple million bucks in like 90 days and like went through some of the hardest times of my life, except I could do it with a smile on my face, right? Like I was like, oh, same game different rules today. Let's play again. Right. And like, let's play again. And then, you know, you do the same thing. I sit here and then I talk to some of my friends that are worth like $7 billion. And then they're sitting here telling me how they have imposter syndrome and feel like a failure every day. And I'm like, okay, got it. Right. Like we're all playing the same game. Yes. Like, we're all and they're all the same. same. And you know, what's even more crazier when you read the stoic stuff from like, yeah, I Greece, love stoic stuff. like, you can't really tell unless that quote is labeled, whether it came from 450 BC or 2020. Some of that stuff is some of the same crap that we've, it's, it's uncanny of like the words that they put together. It's like, we have really been fighting this game with our mind, whether we've got a million dollars, whether we have an infinite economy with the internet, the same thoughts of ego and internal fight has been going on for thousands of years now. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and it's, you know, really like what I've learned is that, it's going to remain and it's a fight when you see it as a fight. Right. But like, we, we talk about this, like, you know, like, and you can go, you know, esoteric if you want, but like in order to have darkness, you have to have light. But like, you know, we talk about this in men's work. I do like, you know, you can go read like way the superior man with David D.A. to John Wineland stuff, any of that stuff. And when you really think about it, uh, it's just giving that shadow a cup of coffee and being like, okay, that's me too. Right. Like, and, and being okay that that's me. Like, and owning those and embodying those things and exploring those things and giving yourself the space to do it, right? And I feel like, you know, one of the things that the Marine Corps, uh, you know, taught me in the opposite way is that, like, you know, they told us who we had to be, right? And they wanted us to turn off parts of ourselves. And there's a part of that that's, like, not good. Like, you need all parts of yourself to be there. You choose which ones to use and which ones to show, but you need them all. And, you know, when I think about that now, that's a lot of what I um, – you know, I work on the most because as, as I become aware, things happen in life, we get more success or new stress comes somehow like this new demon comes out or this new shadow comes out. I haven't seen for a while, or I didn't know about it. And then like, I identify with it and then I have to come back into this awareness of like, how do I watch it as a movie? How do, yeah. Right. Like, how do I forgive myself for this? How does this not affect the people around me? And, um, you know, I used to get really frustrated and, and I was like, when is this? I, I remember I used to say things like, when does this end? Am I ever going to be healthy again? Like, am I ever not going to hurt people? Like, am I always going to? And then it was like, yeah, of course it's going to keep happening when I think like that. Right. Like it was like, I was a victim to all of it. And cause I had, I had an un, I had an unhealthy relationship with it. Right. Like what you resist persists. And so then when you look at it, you're like, Oh wait, this isn't bad or good. It's neutral. Like this is just a part of the game. This is the modulation, right? This is the, the yin to the yang to the whatever. And, and so really just being with it. And I will say that like the one thing 
that's probably had the most profound impact for me um, is space, like alone time. And that means like no phone, no computer, no internet, no nothing. Like I go to the gym at 3.30 in the morning and I don't see another human until 6 a.m. And I don't listen to music when I work out. I don't have my phone with me. Like from the moment I wake up from 3.30 till I get home and my kids wake up at six, like it's just me, myself and I. And, uh, you know, those weights, they see a lot, right? They see tears, they see joy, they see happiness, they see anger, they see frustration. But no matter which analogy you use, whether it's stoicism, whether it's personal development, whether it's the buffalo, is that the moment that there's a storm, like you have to sit with it and you have to go through it. And the faster you do that, the faster you get to the other side. And, um, you know, sometimes we won't like the collateral damage. Sometimes we won't like the fact that we had a storm come and we realized that we added accelerant to it. We like turned up the volume of it. And those are things that we have to realize and feel and, and identify so we can make it different in the future. And, uh, you know, that's something that I think is, has been one of the biggest things I've had to retrain into myself, um, you know, cause in the Marine Corps, it's like, suck it up, right? Take an ibuprofen. You're fine. Don't talk about it. You don't feel, you don't have, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like broke your leg, take a motion, right? Walk it off, right? Go run again. And, um, you know, you have to be able to express these things and it's okay to express and it's healthy to express and it's powerful to express, whether you express in a journal, whether you express in words, whether you express through movement, through working out, through, you know, an accountability partner or a men's group or whatever, like just expressing is the most important part and like getting it out. And like, I, I had a wise shaman say this to me a couple of years ago. I think every shaman's wise. That's a pretty funny one, but he looked me dead in the eye and, uh, I asked him a question. I was like, it just doesn't go away. Like, blah, blah, blah. Was like, he's like, cause you keep pushing it down. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, if it's coming up, it's coming out. Stop holding it in. And I was like, huh? Like, I was just like, huh? And then like, I think about it, like I'll go through the day and I'll be like driving. And for whatever reason, I'll be driving in that moment. I want to cry. And I'm like, if I push it down, I suppress it. I was like, cry. And like, I'll cry for like two seconds and it just goes away and I feel amazing. Right. But if it's coming up, it's coming out, let it out. Like literally get it out, whatever that is. Like you're angry, go beat the shit out of a pillow. Like just go to town, get it out, right? Like if you want to scream, go scream. If you want to go dance in the rain, go dance in the rain, but like express yourself because on the other side of that expression, whatever that feeling may be is another level of growth. And that's tends to be the ceiling that I kept hitting the most, you know, in my life. So for me, I've always been the opposite. I was never very a resilient person. Emotions always would like just overwhelm me. And I would be like a sponge. If someone was sad, I would feel sad and I wouldn't know how to change it. And a coach that I was working with at the time, he was also a Marine and he told me to carry a challenge coin in my pocket. And he also was doing it with me. And anytime I felt overwhelmed by what was coming up, because they came up almost readily without even much attention to them, I would just feel sad or overwhelmed. And I just couldn't feel how to feel happy through all that. And he always told me to grab my coin in my pocket. And it was almost like mentally I was jamming a stake in the ground to hold me down through the, if you think of emotions as a river around me. And it was my stake to remind myself that like, I'm a United States Marine. I'm more than my emotions. Cause I would always identify. And if I was sad and felt sad, then I must be a sad person. And I couldn't how to distinguish that. And the Marine Corps identity in this particular case allowed me to root to something that was deeper than myself. That was physical about the work, the honor, the tradition that wasn't rooted in emotion and having a podcast where we talk about emotions all the time and having a host that cries at happy endings all the time as well. Like it's interesting. And I've looked back at the Marine Corps because I can honestly, I don't think I was ever told this, but it's something they probably do say in the Marine Corps. If they wanted you to have an emotion, they would have issued one. But, but at the same time, like there's a Marine Corps order for everything. I almost have joked that there should be a Marine Corps order for how to properly deal with your emotions. Cause then maybe Marines would actually understand that it's not something taboo and that there is a safe place of how to process your emotions in the Marine Corps. But just not acknowledging that is something just super important as well. Or if you are a person like me that you over acknowledge it, being able to understand that you're still a human being, that you're still exactly who you are. I'm still Ben Coy. I'm everything who I am, despite in this moment, how I'm feeling, that moment will pass just like everything else. And I'll still be the same person at the end. Like that's also the opposite side of your spectrum. And it's full something that many military dads struggle with. Yeah. There's a really good book. Um, I didn't start reading till like three years ago and now I've probably read 140 books, 150 books in three years. Like it kind of, you know, lit a fire. You were making her up for last time. 
I was, I was, but there's this one book and I love this book. It's super, super short too. It's a super short reader. Listen, it's called the little book of clarity by Jamie smart. And it breaks down exactly that. It breaks down toxic thinking and the way that we do those things to ourselves, right? Like I'll stop feeling this way when, or I'll have this when, or I'll do this when, or, and all of the advocation of presence and the misidentity that we put on those things. And it's like, it's one of those books that's so simple. It just smacks you in the gut, like as hard as physically possible. And you're like, I thought of that. Well, yeah, but you need to hear it, like to put it into practice. And that's one of them. Cause that, that's exactly what it is, right? Like I've, I've done every modality you can imagine when it comes to therapy. And I mean, I think I've done all of them from prolonged exposure to group therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, cognitive processing therapy. I did EMDR. I did MDMA assisted psychotherapy. I did psilocybin. I've done Botox injections. I've done, um, plant medicine. I've done mushrooms. I've done ayahuasca. I've done, I've done everything, like literally everything. And if I look back and I mean, if I look back at everything and I was like, okay, if let's say probably close to seven figures in therapy, like what was the difference? Like, what would you say the two most pivotal things for you were? And it was alone time and breath work out of all of it, like literally all of it, alone time and breath work and alone time in the context that you were just talking about, like realizing that I exist as a human, like in this existential meat suit that we have no idea how it's even held together. If like you want to even get into like quantum physics, like the fact that my hand exists and it's mind blowing to me, regardless of the results that are being created outside of me or how I see them. Cause if you get really deep into it, like is what you're seeing even there? Are you a projection? Like quantum physics stuff gets like mind blowing. Like be careful when you go deep down that rabbit hole. It's a big one. It's a big one, but it's like, no, like regardless of all of that stuff. And I, the way I describe this to myself, like in this moment, if I hit delete on the world, like everything, I just hit delete and it was just me in a white space or black space, pick your color. Um, I'd be okay. I'd be breathing. I'd be fine. I would be here. I might be feeling certain things, but I would physically be here. And, um, you know, that's what alone time helps me with like I can go be alone and feel sad or feel angry or feel depressed and be in a relationship with that without it being who I am right and that was pretty much it that and breath work were were two of the most pivotal things for me and like biggest lever pullers for me that I've ever had in my life cold therapy was great but cold therapy got me to alone time right got me to you know processes and thinking and I still do all of it but yeah I think if I had to give the gift of anything um there's another really good book called Breath by James Nestor. And uh, one of the things that I realized in this, you know, for anybody who's never experienced, you know, trauma, PTSD, anxiety, depression, uh, nightmares, any of that stuff, like anything, hypervigilance. Uh, I, after reading that book and doing the work that I've done, realized that I probably created 90% of my symptoms uh, because I just simply didn't breathe. And uh, it talks about a lot about, about how like we de-evolved, like how we're supposed to breathe, how we become mouth breathers, not nose breathers, like things that we don't feel and don't process because we don't breathe correctly. And so it's absolutely nuts. Like I have my three-year-old does breath work with me. Like he'll get a boo-boo and I'll, I'll do like, I'll be like, breathe. He'll take like two nose breaths and he's like, daddy, I'm fine. And like, we just move past it. Um, but yeah, I, breath work is, is something that I don't think is talked about enough. And when I think about veterans, when I think about, uh, and anybody, first responders, EMTs, anybody who's experienced trauma, anybody who has anxiety, anybody who has anything that robs you of the present moment, um, the best and the freest tool that you have is breathing and breathing correctly and properly. Uh, and, and there's no VA up. waiting line. No, and there's no, <laughs> there's no VA waiting line. There's no, you know, waiting 17 months to get an appointment. Um, you know, the, the crazy things that they do. Um, but it's something that I recommend everybody, everybody does and being intentional with it, right? Like it's the one thing that gives us life every day. And yet we take for granted that it somehow happens all on its own. But yet the moment we can't do it, we wish we paid attention to it. And it's something that I was like, and I feel woo woo talking about this. Cause I was like, what? But literally like breath is life. And I mean it like the difference between even three intentional breaths a day versus none or going for a walk and closing your mouth and just breathing through your nose or uh, breathing five and a half times a minute, which is what a human is supposed to do. Five and a half second inhale, five and a half second exhale. And like seeing what that feels like tends to be the fastest path to like feeling amazing, 
clarity, presence, and life for me that like I could ever imagine. I can definitely believe. It. And I've seen this, some of the same stuff when I've started doing breath work as well. So I can definitely attest that it's definitely doing some good stuff there. I want to pivot into one big question that I don't want to leave listeners hanging with. As you struggled to have a, a childhood that anybody would want to hang their hat on, what advice do you want to give out there for other dads who had a similar childhood like yours and understanding how to become the father their kids need? Because a lot of dads run into the cases where if they don't have a good upbringing, if they were running through the military, running from something, the idea of fatherhood and leading others and their kids scares the hell out of them. So I'm interested to see like, what advice would you give a dad out there struggling to even acknowledge that his kids are looking them to lead? Yeah, that's such a good one. Um, and man, did it take me a long time to get to this point. Um, you have to realize that you're only going to be reparenting yourself. And you have to do it with love and acceptance of self. And what I mean by that is that uh, whatever you do, whether you have children or you're about to have children, you have to realize that at every stage of their life, at every moment, it's going to trigger a moment of your childhood. And in that moment, you are going to be a child again, and you have to reparent yourself. You have to give your child what you wanted in that moment while also giving it to yourself by giving it through your children. And this is something that took me a long time, a long time to figure out because I couldn't understand why when my three-year-old dropped something and he's never been yelled at, never been in trouble, but he immediately went to guilt and shame why I was sad and angry. And I was like, oh, because that was trained into me. And I'm like, epigenetically, that passed on to my son. What I do in this moment creates a belief in his life. And my belief was, let's laugh about it. And we laughed about it, right? And then when he went to bed, I cried for two hours because I remembered every moment in my childhood where I did something and I was just being a child and I was made wrong or I was abused or I was whatever. And in that moment, I reparented that, but I had to process it. I had to feel it. And so I think the biggest thing to remember is that, you know, as parents, as, as fathers, and I'll speak to fathers because I am one. Uh, we're going to be required to feel more, uh, to process more and to give more than we've ever been asked to give because we're giving it to our children and we're giving it to ourselves. And so we have to be compassionate with ourselves. We have to be empathetic. We have to be forgiving and we have to be willing to go there because the other option is not reparenting ourselves and passing that on and creating it again. And, you know, by not feeling it, we teach our kids to be numb. By not expressing it, we teach them that their feelings are wrong. By not, you know, changing it, we teach them the same pattern. We're assigning shame to it. That's often what yeah. parents do is like, if your kids are screaming over something stupid or if it's a toy they lost, yeah. like you just tell them like, stop crying. Like you're just yeah. denying them the feeling like, cause I, yeah. it's often told me like, if you've had a bad day at work, you need to treat that emotion of whatever you're feeling just as real as whether your daughter had an issue on the playground that day, because both totally. are real world issues to them. Totally. And when you deny that, you just create someone's therapy bill years totally. and decades in the future. Totally. And like, that's the thing that we have to remember. Like, you know, it's a big responsibility to be a parent. And uh, I feel like I'm figuring it out every day. And I like, I'm getting emotional thinking about right now, like how I can be better every day and like how I was grumpy yesterday because I was sad and how that gets passed on through everything that we do. And I think the biggest thing that we have to remember, like to close the loop back to the beginning is like, we have to lead ourselves. We have to be forgiving of ourselves. We have to be resilient. And we have to be willing to understand that like every feeling is a feeling and it has to be expressed and it's completely okay and it's completely normal and that's their perception just like it's ours. And like you just nailed it, Ben. Like that's that's the biggest part is like create a container, create an environment where expression is safe. And that's really, really going to be the best way because we have to express, we have to grow. And so that was a that was something that took me, I'm still learning it. Like I'm I'm pretty emotional thinking about this right now. Like just where like with, I have a 15 year old daughter and I have a three-year-old son, be a better parent to myself right now to be a better parent to my children. And so, yeah, that's a good question, man. And there's something that I've really like a dad listening to this could be like, okay, that's understand what to do there. I understand the idea, but it's still very difficult to implement. Some of the advice that I've used in my own life before I even knew a lot of this own stuff was whenever you feel triggered, that's where you need to become a detective. Because when you're triggered, that says more about you than it does about your kid. They just understand how to push your buttons and your vulnerabilities. And 
when you do that initial work and just start diving and asking some hard questions, like why did that moment trigger me? And you're not going to get there right away. You're going to have to ask why probably five, maybe sometimes 10, 20 times, but use that moment as when you get triggered, put some space with a breath, take a few seconds of breath, feel what you need to feel and just put that space and then just ask yourself, why did that moment trigger me? And I've actually been working on probably in a lot, especially as I've been building the stay at home dad life, it's been like trying to ride a bike at one year old without training wheels. And there's been like a couple of days I've been going with the kids and sometimes it's a complete hot mess and they're just driving me nuts. I've really just gotten to the point now I almost just kind of laugh internally. And sometimes I laugh out like I'm just like laugh at the moment and be with it from a humorous point of view. Because when I engage with it from a reaction, like that's usually where I'm reacting from some untold story. And it's kind of like an awareness that I've like, when you can get to the point when your house is literally burning down with emotions with your kids and just laugh about it, like you've reached a, a moment where you're like, that's where you should be as a parent because like my daughter that I'm home with in the morning, sometimes she's just super upset, super emotional. I mean, girls have to learn how to, they have a lot of wild emotions at all ages of their life and learn just letting them express it. Like there's times where just last night, my daughter was having this huge meltdown. She dumped all of her stuff in her room and then she was upset because I was telling her she had to clean it up. And I just let her be with it. I just closed the door and she just screamed and cried in her room. And I didn't tell her that it was wrong. I didn't tell her anything. I just said, this is how it's going to be. And she just, I just let it go. And not interacting with it is one of the best ways to kind of, especially if you're not, if you don't trust yourself, that's something else that I'm, you probably suffered as well. Like just trusting yourself to be in the room. And I think many military dads, when we come back from war, we don't trust ourselves. So that untamed emotion with our un controlled emotions that we aren't dealing with just pushes us back. And I think that's what kind of like gets a military dad convinced that their family's better without them because they have put so much space between them and their emotions. But the ironic part, which you've also learned, I'm sure your kids helped become a big part of your why to walk through your darkness is the key to coming home to your family is actually going through the emotions of your kids, understanding what they're gifting you and they are the mirror for the areas that you need to be able to become a better person for. Yeah. No, you, you know that. And you know, the one thing that you said that I think is like worth repeating, I always call it the purple dinosaur test, right? Like if, if you're tagged, it's because it's landing for you, right? Like if I call you a purple dinosaur, you're not going to get upset at me. Right. But if I say, Hey, you're disconnected, you get angry. Well, there's a semblance of truth to that. Right. And so, you know, realizing that these things that come up in our day as our in our relationships with ourselves, with our kids, with everything, even with the people in our lives, if we're triggered, if we're tagged, if we're reactive, it's because we see something in ourselves or we see something with someone that we have unhealed stuff with. And it's really, really imperative that we recognize that so we can process it correctly and process it with the people that we're supposed to process it with, which is ourselves or that person, not take it out on our children, not react, not do all that stuff. So you absolutely nailed it, man. Yeah. Oh, a lot to think about today. There is a lot to think about there. You got you got all afternoon to think about it. I want to go pick my kids up from school right now and just like hug them. Like I've had that a few times when dads I interview in the podcast. They're like a couple of them have been I guess at night when I first started, and they'd be like, I wish my kids were awake so I could go hug them because I know so just made me appreciate them more and want to hug them more. What's a parting piece of advice you want to give dads if you could sum up all the crap, all the shit that you've gone through. I just recently had Morgan Schneider who gave some great advice that it takes a lot of shit to make good soil in your life. And I think you are a testament that, that the more shit you have in the life, the more richer your soil is as long as you allow and work the land. It'll create great, amazing crops and flowers and all the other stuff. What is something you want to make sure every dad gets out of this episode that can help shortcut some of their process of coming home to their family? Yeah, it's such a good question. Um, you know, I think the the one thing, like if I had to go back 10 years and tell myself, um, you know, like I'll, I'll keep, I'll, I'll go parent here, like finding Nemo, like just keep swimming, like just keep swimming. That's what I tell people I'm in a podcast mode. Like I'm in just in keep, just keep swimming mode. Like, because as long as I keep swimming, I'll get where I'm going. And, and the reason I say that is because like, we can have these conversations about mindfulness, about reflection, but also those can become the trap. And those can become the new addiction and the new distraction and the new self-punishment. There's always right? one more thing that I need yeah. before I can be happy. Right, right. Or like, oh, I'm such a bad person because look, I did this and I did this and I did this. And I'm like, and as you're thinking about it, you're doing it again, right? And so like the thing here is like, give yourself permission to feel and to process, but then take step forwards. Like we all are leaders. We lead ourselves, we move forward. And 
be intentional with your steps, but keep stepping. Like just do not stagnate. It, it's a dangerous place and um, it's really crazy. I was saying this to somebody the other day. I'll use food as an analogy. It's like somebody's trying to lose weight, right? They'll eat healthy for like six weeks to lose three pounds and they'll have one cheat meal. They're like, I gained six pounds in one day. Why doesn't it work the other way, right? I'm like, well, because it's easier to eat like crap, right? But like momentum is in our favor. And so just keep moving and keep swimming and, and be gentle, like be really, really gentle. Like I've had to be gentle on myself today, like looking at the last week and things like that. And, you know, we're going to get feedback. We're going to get feedback from our kids, from our significant others, from our spouses. And, and sometimes it's not going to feel great. And the whole point here is like, we hear it, we become aware of it, we move forward and we keep swimming. And so, you know, normally I try to have some like profound statement, but that's the one that's like working for me right now. It's like, if I do one more thing today, like just take one more step make one more, you know, progress forward. Like that's where I'm going to win the day. And so that's what I want to focus on. That's great advice. And I've heard it said as well, like when you're standing still, like I often feel like a fog will set in around me and I can't see my hand out in front of me. The moment you take a step, that fog starts to lift and slowly, but slowly, the faster you're moving, the more fog lifts and the more you can see. And like, that's why I I recently did the 75 hard challenge from Andy Frisella this summer. I finished it three days ago. Yeah. Like you instantly start realizing how the compound effect of continuing to move towards something that you don't really understand creates more clarity. And many people that start that report, like by day 20, they're seeing their life and they're seeing it with 2020 versus with beer goggles on through all the shit emotions, the overthinking, and you just need to be moving in order to see that clarity. I mean, we all have a George Bryant life in front of us if we continue to move and create that life. But if you're standing still, all you're going to do is feel sad and want to eat marshmallows and Oreos. That's pick your poison, man. Marshmallows, Oreos, chocolate chips, cheesecake, you know, whatever it is. But yeah, I think, you know, just keep swimming, keep moving. And um, the one thing too, and, and I want to say this because I don't think this is talked about enough. Also, don't ever compare yourself to somebody else, like the measuring stick, right? Like I talk about my life. I've been through it and I have friends in my life that make my life look like a walk in the park. Like literally, like I would choose my life a hundred out of a hundred times to avoid having one day in what they went through. And so, you know, one of the things that we have to remember as human beings is that all of us see things differently. We feel things differently. We process things differently. And something that's easy for me might be stressful for you. And something that's easy for you might give me a freaking panic attack. And so, you know, just make sure you're looking at your own house and it's not a comparison game. It's not of like, I deployed, I didn't deploy, I saw war, I didn't see war. My childhood was great, yours wasn't, I was abused, yours wasn't. It was like, no, how do you feel? Okay, if you feel that way, let's move through it. Let's move forward and let's do something together because that's really where the commonalities come in. And so, and a lot of that just ties back to enoughness in general. Yeah, that's like, it, that's it, that's it. And it's like, you know, like this isn't where... <laughs> You know, like I, I joke with people and so it's like one of my buddies, I love one of my friends. Uh, one of my friends has a, a couple purple hearts and he's like, he never talks about him. And somebody asked him, he's like, what, you want me to admit that I gave them like an Iraqi shooting medal, right? Like, like that's basically what it is. It's me claiming that they hit me. I'm not giving them that day and time, right? And I was like, it's all perspective, right? Like it's how we choose to see it. Even Medal of Honor winners. I've, I've heard Dakota Meyer, he like Dakota's considers it the worst thing that's ever happened to him. Like, it Oh was- yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I've, yeah, Dakota, I've talked to Dakota about a person quite a few times. Uh, so everybody has a different perspective about it on talk it, about and- it. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's what it is. And so the whole thing is like, you know, the part of self-leadership to close with is leading ourselves, right? It's looking internally and looking where we are not comparing ourselves, not finding a measuring stick, not doing any of it, like giving the weight to your feelings and your situation that it deserves, which is everything because it's yours and then understanding it and then moving through it and moving forward. So awesome questions, man. This is, this is a super reflective topic and I really appreciate this conversation. Well, I really appreciate our friendship was just getting started here. If people want to find more about what you're up to, if anybody wants to support your businesses, where's the best place to find more of George Bryant? Yeah, I'll keep it really easy. Uh, it's the straight jacketed Mind of George. So it's uh, mindofgeorge.com. I have a podcast as well. We drop three episodes a week. Uh, it's called The Mind of George Show, but I make it easy since you're listening to this. Uh, all you have to remember is mindofgeorge.com. So M I N D O F G E O R G E.com. And uh, everything's linked there. So that's the best place, man. I can imagine that's a very light and dark filled podcast there. The Mind of George <laughs> can go in many random places. 
It's a good one. It's a good one. We keep them short. We do Monday minutes. So they're all like five minutes or less. Wednesdays are like uh, 20 to 25 minutes of like strategies, tactics. And then Fridays are free for all. So those are the ones that get deep. Like Alex Sharfin and I just did a two and a half hour podcasts. And, you know, we're both pretty successful entrepreneurs. I think we cried like seven times. We yelled a couple times, you know, like we, we had the full range of human experience in that podcast. So it, it is a fun place to hang out. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you taking your time to share your message today. And I know we brought many dads home with your message, probably with a sledgehammer, maybe even with a piece of TNT, depending on where people are at in their self-awareness journey. Yeah, it was awesome, man. Thanks for having me. And for everybody listening, thank you for giving me the time and uh, just keep swimming. Guys, I hope that episode did exactly what it did for me and just revealed a whole bunch of truth in my life. And I hope that that did for you. And if you've been listening to the end of this episode, that means that this episode resonated with you and that you know that this content we keep putting out every week is making an impact. And you're starting to feel those slow steps and that progress to this process of coming home and back to your family. So some of the big giant takeaways. I loved the analogy when he talked about staying stuck in the storm. I love the way he put it. And it probably hit you when you heard that staying stuck in a storm, because I can picture so many different times in my life where I felt stationary inside the middle of a category five storm, and I couldn't make out heads or tails. It's like you're looking down at a compass, and the compass is literally spinning. It's almost like a scene out of Jack Sparrow, and you're just it's spinning, and you're like, where do I go? This isn't normal. Two plus two isn't equaling four, and you feel like all the laws of the universe are breaking down. That was a ginormous being true to yourself having radical honesty with yourself that's not something in language that i've used a lot but i really like that george brought it to this episode because it's something that i've been having more and more conversations with myself on and been taking bigger steps behind the scenes to get this podcast set up to do some big things i'm getting ready to launch some major stuff for you guys i can't wait to talk about it in the future so stay tuned on the other side and keep listening because I'll make sure that you guys are the first to know about what's going on in the future. But this episode really challenged me to get there recorded about a little over a month ago, but the end of September and now almost at the end of October, I can say I've done some really big giant things with my life. Some of the things that I've done and said yes to, I've almost wanted to puke on the other side. I've had so much anxiety to saying yes. So that's just an idea of some of the things and the growth that I'm going through on my own in the backdrop. But George kind of gave me that courage to have radical honesty with myself. And it just has really helped me own more of who I am and more who I want to be. But then more importantly, what George talks about is being true to yourself, being okay, being alone, and knowing that it's perfectly fine what you're feeling. And if your win is that you got up and put pants on, have just an immense amount of gratitude for that day. And if your win is just crushing it and knocking out of the park, have gratitude for that day. This episode, I'm positive I will be re-listening to it over and over it again when I need a good punch in the face to wake up. Maybe I'm in comatose mode. Maybe I'm in autopilot mode. George speaks the truth in this episode, and it hit me like a bag of bricks. Don't forget to go check out High Speed Daddy as well and use the promo code MVD to get your 15% off on your backpack, lunch bag, diaper pad, whatever it may be, the first aid kit. All of it is hands down some of the finest put together military material outside of the military that I've ever really had. And I just know that you're going to love it as much as I had. If you've been feeling like you haven't fit in with all the baby gear out there, this is your place to go. So go check out highspeeddaddy.com, which the link is also in the show notes along with that code. And guys, it has been an amazing episode. I hope you have an amazing week. And I will talk to you guys again on Friday.